We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world, and it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. Today's episode is important because we are going to talk about speech development in children with autism. And sadly, many times, many children with autism are talking and no one is hearing their speech. I'm going to talk about 10 things that children with autism do. And when they do these 10 things, it makes it difficult to hear the words that they're saying. If you can identify these 10 things that are common in autism speech development, then you're going to be more able to interpret their words correctly and accurately and respond immediately and appropriately. Because if you don't respond to their attempts to talk, then they're likely to talk a lot less because these attempts are ignored. That's the last thing I want. So if you have a child with autism, if you work with children with autism, if you know someone that has a child with autism, share this episode with them. Because so many children with autism are in fact talking However, they are not being heard. They're not being heard in their home environment, in their school environment, in the outside world because of these 10 things that they do that I'm going to cover today. And if you are able to look out for these 10 common processes that children with autism use, then you're going to be able to hear the words they're saying, interpret these words. You're going to be able to respond with natural consequences. You're going to be able to respond with expansion and encouragement to their language. And therefore, they're going to talk more often. If you're not able to perceive these words, if you're not able to say, okay, I know these 10 things that children with autism commonly do, and I'm going to listen for that, then the likelihood is that you're not going to respond. If you don't respond, that means these children are going to talk less often. And the less often that they talk, that means the outcomes for speech development will be worse. We want these children talking as much as possible. Children with autism often use that makes their speech difficult to understand. So when you hear these words, you can say, okay, I can see what this child's doing. The child is doing this. It's related to autism. I'm going to look out for that. And then I'm going to be able to interpret their speech and let other people hear their speech as well by letting them know, look, when your child's talking, what they're doing is they're going to, for instance, whisper. 
Listen and get really, really close to them and look at their mouth. Okay, so you can hear it and you're going to have to get really, really close and listen really, really closely because your child whispers a lot. And if these whispers are not responded to, the child will in fact talk less and may stop talking completely. That is just one example. I'm going to cover 10. Just to give you an update where I am right now, I've got my sleeves rolled up. I'm doing the research. I'm digging in the garden. I'm looking at my videotapes of therapy and I'm doing language sample analysis. I'm writing down verbatim what the child is saying. Now I'm able to do that because I have the context. I have the ability to rewind. I have the ability to play it in slow motion. I have all of those cues. I encourage you, if you do language sampling with children with autism, use video. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to understand what they're saying without those contextual cues. What I'm doing is I'm doing video analysis. It's a very painstaking process. I'm going to tell you that. With the video analysis, I've had to rewind, play in slow motion, look at the child's lips really, really closely, say, what is this child saying in this context? And then I've had to say, what is the rule? What is the speech rule that they are using that's making this difficult for us to understand? Because if we understand this is the rule that they have when it comes to speech that they're using that's making it hard to understand, then we're going to be able to say, I, I can see what they're doing. They're following this rule, and this rule is making it difficult to understand. Then you're able to not only look out for it yourself, so that you're able to respond, you're able to empower others and to say, look, I just want you to know something about this child. This is what they do. Listen for it. When they do that, you're going to be able to interpret better what they're saying and you're going to be able to respond. Communication is very transactional. Nobody develops communication in a bubble. These children need to be responded to. That's why this episode is so important. I'm going to cover 10 things that they do. So if you know anything about me, I've done a lot of research in this area of autism speech development. This is something I really focus in on over the last 20 years. I have a lot of research up on ResearchGate on what accelerates their speech development, how they develop speech differently, how you can do language samples with children with autism, what matters when it comes to the language, what matters not so much and what matters a lot. When it comes to speech development, you need to really take out a magnifying glass when it comes to children with autism to understand that how they develop speech, which is different than many children who are neurotypical. So let's dive in to 10 common processes that I see children with autism use that makes it difficult for you to be able to hear their words. The first one, and probably the most common, is their speech is whispered. So some children are speaking very clearly, but they're speaking in a whispered voice, and that's 
probably for a couple of reasons, but one of which they don't have that coordination of their vocal fold vibration with the coordination of their mouth movement and how they're articulating the sounds working together yet. Another may be the auditory processing difficulty that they can't hear the volume of their speech and it sounds really loud to them when they're talking, when really they're speaking at a really, really low decibel level. So whispered speech is very common. Many times I've talked to parents and I've talked to teachers and I'm like, I'm hearing words all over the place. I'm hearing about 30 different words a session. And they'll tell me I haven't heard any words at home or I haven't heard any words in the classroom. And the reason for that is because I'm one-on-one with a child and I'm about a foot and a half away from their face in a quiet environment. This is not the real world. I'm hearing and seeing their lips move being this close. So I'm hearing the speech because I'm in this unique setting in this unique situation that is not like the real world. But that affords me the opportunity to immediately and effectively respond to their speech, which encourages them to speech speak more. No one develops communication in a bubble. So whispered speech, if you are in therapy, if you're working one-on-one with a child, you need to let the parents and the teachers know they are talking and these are the words they're saying. You can start a Google Doc if you want to do that and put in words that they're saying. They're saying colors a lot. They're saying letters a lot. They're saying numbers a lot. They're saying animals. They're saying foods. Maybe you don't have to write down every single word. I know that you're busy. But then you need to tell the parents and the teacher, the way I know is that I'm a foot away from them and I'm looking at their lips and it's in a quiet environment and that's the only way you're going to be able to hear it. So you need to empower the other individuals in this child's life, not just you, to be able to perceive the speech. Because if the speech is not responded to, the child will undoubtedly talk less. It may even stop talking completely. So the second common rule I see in children with autism when they're speaking is a lack of intonation. So I'm going to give you an example and walk you through an exercise when we go through the remaining nine rules. I was doing language sampling, so I wanted to keep the activity the same for baseline and for post data and across the different children, because the activity you use does impact your language sample. I had ABC boxes, and in each of these little boxes, you would open it up and there was a toy inside. So there was a box and it had the letter and some pictures on the outside of the block and they open the block and they get to pull out a toy. For instance, I had the letter U box and it had an umbrella inside. So I'm going to give you all of the examples of when I pull the box out of the bag and hold it out in front of the child and what the child first does. So the child first does this. There's a lack of intonation and they're saying what's inside. But instead of what's inside, where there's a rising intonation at the end, and that's because you're asking a question, there isn't that intonation. And what comes out instead is, ah, 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 ah. It's, it's not raising. Ah, 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 ah. Now, because I understand that there's a lack of intonation, I can see he's saying, but inside. So I immediately respond and say, what's inside? And then I open it up. 
Now, the child, if you didn't notice, did not say the W sound. And that's because that's called a glide. And that's where literally your lips are going to glide as you're saying the W. So first, they're going to be protruded out, like, what? And they're going to retract. What's inside? This is very difficult for many children with autism because it's complex motor coordination. As you're talking, you're moving your lips. The yeah, which is the opposite of that, where your lips are retracted in a smile and they go out, is also difficult for many children with autism. So instead of saying what's inside, there's no W that was just too hard. Another thing that you heard is they didn't do the stop consonants. Now, stop consonants is where you stop the airflow. They're very short. They're the shortest sounds in our language. And they didn't say the T, D, or N. So it's a, uh, 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 okay? And the, there wasn't the what, the T there, which is 30 milliseconds long. If you have auditory processing difficulties, you're not going to hear that snap. If you don't hear it, you can't say it. The same thing with the N. It's fast. N. What? They didn't say the N and they didn't say the D, which is 30 milliseconds long. So even though these are the easiest sounds in the language to produce, and universally they're the first, T, D, and N are of the first sounds developed, for children with autism, many of them, they can't hear them because they're too fast. So they can't say what they can't hear. So for what's inside, I hadn't said, eh, eh, eh. okay? So once again, we lack the intonation. We lack the W because that's a glide, a complex motor coordination act. We also lack the T, D, and N because those are very short sounds. And if you can't hear it, you can't say it. Now, another thing that happened is there was equal stress. So when I opened up the box, what's inside, there was an umbrella inside. Now, when we say umbrella, the second syllable rises, umbrella, okay? That's not what the child with autism says. So when the child saw the umbrella, they said this, umbrella, umbrella, umbrella. So umbrella was equal, 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 umbrella, 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 equal stress. So if you didn't know, well, children with autism have difficulty with stress and it's going to be equal, umbrella, then you probably didn't hear umbrella. So once again, knowing that this is something that is common for children with autism because of their stressing difficulties, you can think about the word, okay, this is, uh, uh, uh. that's like umbrella. And then you can respond appropriately, umbrella. And you can interpret their speech and respond, yes, it's an umbrella. You're right. And then the next thing that you're going to hear them do often is called metathesis. And that's where they're going to go and take sounds and syllables, and they're going to reverse them within the word. She took the um and put it in the middle, and she took the uh and put it at the end of the word. She metathesized the sounds in the word. So that is another thing that you're going to see a lot with children with autism. So instead of umbrella, she said, brelema, brelema. And she said, Brelema, and I understood she's doing metathesis. She's moving the sounds around the word. I understand you're saying umbrella. 
All right, number seven, another thing that you're going to hear is difficulty with diphthongs. Now, diphthongs is where you're moving from one vowel to the next at a really quick space and you're co-articulating them together. So it takes complex motor coordination. It's acrobatics in the mouth. So you're gonna hear that difficulty with diphthongs and an example of that, for instance, is I wanted to sing, it's raining, it's pouring, the old man is snoring when I pulled the umbrella out. Instead of, it's raining, and that's the, the diphthong, a-ning. Instead of hearing that a, they would go, la, 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 la. So it's an ah, ah. Uh, uh, they don't have that motor coordination to shift their tongue from one ear of the mouth to the next to shift the articulators to make that a for raining. So it's centralized. Uh, 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 uh. Okay. So once again, I can hear you're saying it's raining, it's pouring, because I know that diphthongs are difficult for you, and therefore you're replacing the diphthong with an uh sound. So now let's look at another thing that you're going to see. In number nine, uh, we're looking at vowelizations. So vowels are longer than consonants. They're also easier to produce. And that diphthongs can be challenging, but just vowels in general. So a lot of times you're going to hear, for instance, instead of umbrella, it might say, uh, 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 and that's umbrella, uh, uh, uh. So instead of doing the M and the Bs and the Ls and the word umbrella, it was just vowelizations, uh, 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 three vowels, umbrella, uh, uh, uh. So knowing that many children with autism vowelize and drop the consonants because vowels are easier to perceive and they're also easier to produce, I'm able to say, okay, I understand you're saying umbrella. Okay, number nine, a lack of pauses or inappropriate pauses between the words. So at the end of it, we have the umbrella out, we sang the song, they wanna put it back in, they wanna close the box. Instead of saying close the box, it sounds like this, clubba, clubba. So they're saying close the box, but they're blending the words together. There isn't boundaries between each of the words. But I can see as they close the box, they say, clubba. So then I'm able to interpret it based on the context and say, close the box. Nice talking, I can hear you. So once again, you hear that lack of pauses and you know that they have difficulty with pausing. You know that they're blending the words together and you're able to separate them and speak them as they are and respond appropriately to their speech. So the last one, number 10, is reduplication. So a lot of times they'll repeat the syllable. So for instance, they'll wave their hands in an ASL all done baby sign type of way, which they flick the the wrist, right? And they'll say, da, 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 da. So instead of saying all done, they they do reduplication in which they repeat the syllable, da, 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 da. And that means all done. 
So these are 10 common processes. There are more, but I think these are a good place to start that I hear with children with autism. Now, knowing that these are common for children learning to talk, you're able to more accurately identify what they're saying. Okay, I can see what you're doing. You're using whispered speech. I'm gonna look out for that. I'm gonna get really close to you. I'm gonna pay attention to your lips so that I'm able to interpret your speech and respond appropriately. You're able to say, okay, I can see that there's a lack of intonational stress. And even though instead of what's inside, you say, uh, 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 you're saying what's inside, uh, 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 because you don't have that rising intonation at the end of a question. Okay, I can hear that you have difficulties with the glides, the, the W and the Y, for instance, are really, really difficult for you. So I'm not going to hear a W when you're saying what. That's probably not going to happen because it requires complex motor coordination. For instance, you're going to say, okay, I don't hear the T, the D, and the N because those are stop consonants. And stop consonants are the shortest consonants in our language, about 30 milliseconds long. And because of that, I'm probably not going to hear that in your speech. So I'm going to understand that you're deleting the stop consonants because you can't say them, even though they're easy to produce, because you can't say what you can't hear. Then you're going to say, okay, equal stress. This is an umbrella. But when you say it's a, 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 because everything's the same, even stress, a, a, a. But I understand that, that even stress is going on. And knowing that I'm able to say, okay, you really mean to say umbrella, but you don't have the stressing patterns yet. Diphthongs. You know that diphthongs are hard. It's complex motor coordination. You're shifting in the, in the amount of time it takes to say once one vowel, you're saying two. You're shifting from one location to the next. You're changing the position of your articulators. It's acrobatics in the mouth. So instead of that, the child is likely going to say ah. Uh. So for instance, when they're learning bye bye, they don't say bye bye. They say ba 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 ba. Right? It's just really hard to say I. Now, number eight, we talked about vowelization. So, a lot of children, when they're learning to talk, they don't have the consonants yet. The consonants are shorter, they're more difficult to perceive, and they're also harder to produce. So, a lot of times you're only going to hear vowels. So, instead of saying umbrella, they're going to say uh, 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 uh umbrella. If they're reading a sentence strip, like I want a cookie, it'll be uh, 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 and it'll be vowel, 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 vowel. Number nine, we look at a lack of pauses between words or pauses inappropriately placed in which you have a huge pause in the middle of the word. So for instance, when they said close the box, when I was looking at my videotapes and transcribing them, it's a very painstaking process of rewinding, putting them in slow-mo, and hearing them 10 times to get this. They'll say instead of close the box, klaba, klaba. So it's all blended together. Another one we hear a lot of is reduplication, where they take that first syllable and instead of changing it, or they take the second syllable, instead of changing it, they repeat a syllable. So when they're doing the all done sign with their wrist, they're going da, 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 da. All done. Da, 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 da. So these are only 10, and there's actually more when children say words, and a lot of times they're not being perceived. So if you look out for these 
10 rules that are common for children with autism to use, you're more likely to say, okay, I can interpret what you're saying. I know which rule you're using. And then I can tell other people on the team and I can let your family know that look out, your child is saying these phrases. They're blending the phrases and the words together. This is an example of what they're saying and it's blended together so you can respond to it. This is very important information. This is probably one of the more important episodes that I've done because if the tree falls in the forest and no one hears the tree fall, did the tree fall? These children are talking and they're not being responded to. And this is very high stakes. If these children are not being responded to in their speech early on, the risk is they will never, ever develop speech. So I really want to encourage you to pay attention to these 10 rules that I shared with you today. I want you to empower others by sharing this episode with someone you know who has a child with autism, with other professionals you know that work with children with autism, so that they can respond to these children's words. This is really important topic that we're talking about today. This is a game changer. If these children's words are responded to, they will talk more. The more they talk, the better the outcomes. If these children are not responded to, they will talk less. The less they talk, the worse the outcomes. So I want you to take all of this information and make sure to get my book, if you haven't gotten it already, 32 Lessons That Create Lifelong Change in Autism Intervention. And this is a really good book to read if you're going on vacation right now. You can read this in a day. It's less than 100 pages. It's a quick read. But you're going to want to read it so you can have time to think about it and reflect on it and reflect on how you're going to take these strategies and implement them into your practice in the fall. Keep in mind, how can I do something different? Because I don't have any fluff in this book. This book is going to create change. I want you to make sure to get the book if you haven't gotten it yet and email me. I want to hear your thoughts on the book. I want us to change as many lives as possible in the short time we have in this world. Roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place. One child at a time. You're always going to be first. First. 